Welcome to Front Porch Confessional, your weekly Debo podcast. My name is Jeff Goki, and I am so happy that you have tuned in today. Welcome to episode 316, and welcome back to my front porch. I hope you're doing good. Hope you're having an amazing day, whatever time of day it is. It's beautiful outside right now. It's kind of chilly, like 55, maybe <laughs> 55 degrees, 50, 55 degrees. I got the fireplace going. I got a little like winter hat on. I got my PJs on and a hoodie, just staying warm, warm out here. It's kind of awesome. It's funny because my I, I picked up my mother-in-law today uh, and she's from Canada. And uh, anyone from Arizona who complains about it being cold to somebody who lives in Canada, it's like... Right, what's wrong with you? Like seriously, I've realized since moving to the West that I have become completely weak. I I am such a, a such a weak sauce, man. Like I grew up in Ohio, and most of my family—I was born in Michigan. Most of my family lives in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, right up in that area up there, where it's like they get like four, five feet of snow, like no big deal. Freezing, ice cold, below zero kind of stuff. Like grew up in the tundra. Yeah, move out here. And it doesn't take long for your blood to go, this is pretty sweet. But the moment it starts getting cold, all of a sudden it's like, what is happening? It's like shell shock. You know, there is no muscle memory there. It's just freezing cold. I'm like, I'm freezing cold. Then her mom shows up and is like, are you kidding? I had three feet of snow on the top of my car before I left. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I can't complain. So, I mean, it, it drops five degrees six degrees here and we're like oh my gosh it's freezing cold so anyway but i'm enjoying the night tonight it's beautiful out stars just super bright it's been super kind of rainy and overcast which is really unusual uh for phoenix but tonight was today was great tonight is awesome and i've it's been awesome to to be back out here uh doing the podcast uh i hope uh i hope as in this holiday season i hope you're doing okay uh i uh i've realized in this advent season one of the things that's really important and i really feel like the church fathers knew like this is going to be a season that we're going to need to slow down in um and so much of what this season is for so many people is busy so busy parties and busy like not bad things good things but just busy And I think it'd be so cool for us to kind of lean in on a daily basis, the heart of the Advent, which is to slow down. Listen, the arrival of Jesus, anticipating the arrival of Jesus. And and that Christmas doesn't just, isn't just this normal time of year. It's this time of year of celebration. It's this time of year of anticipation. And and one of the things that, that we're working through at our church, which I think is really a cool way to frame up Advent, is that Advent Advent is the idea of the anticipation of the coming king and also the anticipation of Jesus's return. Like this is a time where we celebrate the birth of Jesus, but it's also a time where every day we live in anticipation of him returning back to us. And I think that could be a really, really cool way of framing up the season for you, slowing down, focusing and thanking God for who he is and what he has done. Uh, thanks for each and every one of you who continues to listen. I love it. If you're brand new, welcome. Uh, again, like hit that little subscribe button uh, there on the podcast. It's really helpful. 
And uh, so hit that. You can share it with some people. But thank you so much uh, for those of you who listen. And then there's a bunch of you who give to this podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It helps cover the expenses of the podcast. So I just want to say thanks. If you want to be a partner, you can go to uh, frontporchconfessional.com. And then right there on that on the website is a little tab that says partner. You can do that. There's multiple different ways you can do that. So thank you for those of you who have done that. Really, really appreciate it. All right, we're back in First John. First John three seventeen. If you listen to episode three fifteen, we went through First uh, John uh, three sixteen, and now we head into sixteen. It says this: But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brothers in need, sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? I'll say it again. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Uh, I've said this about babies, and I may have said this on the podcast, but uh, everyone looks at babies and they go, oh, they're so cute. Oh, they're so sweet. And I tend to look at little babies and I go, oh, man, little sinners. We're just raising little sinners. It's not long before they can start talking. And what happens when they start talking is they start using words like mine. It's mine. I remember as uh, as the you know, my boys were growing older, you know, that word mine. And I'm like, where did that come from? You know, where did that come from? I mean, seriously. Like, I don't think Patty and I are like, don't touch that. That's mine. I, that, I don't know where he got that, where our kids got that. But that word, mine, that possessionalism that they, they, that they wanted, it's mine. And then they get angry and then they take a toy away or whatever. And it would be like, wow, you're a little sinner. <laughs> like, look at you. I can't believe that. And it's like, I didn't teach that to them. There's something inside of us that just is like, it's mine. It's all about self-preservation. It's all about hoarding. You know, it's about, you know, scarcity. Oh, they've got a bunch of stuff. Well, I got to get a bunch of stuff. You know, if you watch your kids, watch this. I have grown up kids now. And all of a sudden, if they're starting to be like, there's food around, you'll start seeing them. They'll start going for the largest piece, largest piece. And they'll start, they'll put a couple extra on there. There's something inside of us and each of us that has this kind of scarcity, it's mine mentality. And what I love about what John's doing here is um, I decided to do a, I'm, I'm going to start doing a really deep dive in, in First John. I started this morning. Um, really, really helpful. But one of the things that the, the commentary was bringing out for me is that, that John is teaching really to these second and third generation Christians. And what's, and what's happening here in the context of this particular letter is that the Christianity has kind of become normal. It's kind of normalized. And he's calling them out. He's calling them out on what it actually means to love Jesus and live for Jesus. So remember in the last passage, he's like, look, look what Jesus has done for you. He laid down his life for you. He showed you what love is and you need to go love your brothers and sisters. Lay down your life for your brothers and sisters. He now moves into verse 17 by saying, hey, listen, if you got stuff, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, you got stuff. You got stuff. We are in the top percentile in the world of the richest people. We have beds. We have water. Many of you have cars. Some of you own homes. I own a home. I am on the top, top tier. 
in the world as far as wealth goes. And what the and what John is saying is if you got that, if you have that, that that matters. Like again, scripture is gonna say, to whom much is given, much is required. Now you may look around and go, oh, comparatively to my neighbors or comparatively to my coworkers. I have nothing. No, you do. No, you do. And in fact here, remember, generosity isn't about just massive amounts of buckets of money in a bank account that now you're like, oh, now I could give. Generosity is a posture of heart. Generosity is tethering us back to what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? It's not about having six figures in your bank account or even making six figures. It's going, if you got stuff, any stuff, and you see someone in need, and you don't care for them, it says something. Now, I am not saying this as somebody who has figured this out. I'm not. I'm not saying, like, I got this nailed, and I do it so good, but I do believe this. I will say this. My wife, more than any other person in my life, has taught me about this. Because I'm going to be honest here. I like boxes. I like stuff. I do. I like getting Amazon boxes. It feels like Christmas. I didn't have a lot of stuff growing up. I really didn't. Uh, and so when an Amazon box showing up, and the the family joke is, I like to open boxes. And I do. I li- it doesn't matter. It could be a, from Costco. It could be a cereal box. I like open boxes. And what she's taught me is to go, every time you purchase something, are you considering what maybe you're giving, what maybe you're sacrificing as far as generosity is concerned? And to be honest, I don't always do that because it's me. It's mine. I want it. And I've worked hard, right? I hear that all the time. I've worked so hard. I deserve, I hear this all the time. I deserve this. I deserve a good life. And John's going, that heart, that mentality is revealing, revealing what we believe about God, revealing even about what we view the cross. Because he's like, "Look look what Jesus did. God sent his only begotten son, and that begotten son laid down his life. This passage, I keep bringing it back up, and it's so important. He who knew no sin became sin so that we can be the righteousness of God. And it's super convicting, right? Super convicting. And everybody gets all squirmy when you start talking about money. That is a clear sign that something's wrong. Clear sign. Clear sign that something is off. Because we want to justify why we shouldn't be generous, why we don't need to give. And no, no, no. It's reverse. We should be giving to the point where it's like it's uncomfortable a bit. Because in this passage, he's going, if you have stuff and you see somebody or you know somebody who's in need, there is a responsibility attached to that. In fact, what he says is, and I love this part, he closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? What it reveals to us is whether we're abiding in Christ. Now, if you this is going to take you all the way back to John's gospel. And in John's gospel, in John 15, he talks about abiding in Christ and what that looks like. Abide in me and I'll abide in you and you will bear much fruit. And so what he's revealing to us here is this, hey, are you abiding in Christ? Are you? 
Because if you're abiding in Christ, the, 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 the byproduct of that will be fruit. And the fruit in the context of this passage is that we're going to be generous to people that we're going to care for them, that we're not going to think of ourselves first because Christ didn't think of himself first. He considered us. He thought of us, and he gave up his own life. And we are called to do the same, invited to do the same. And so if you want to know where you're at with an abiding love of God, how are you being generous to those around you? How, when you see someone in need and you feel the Spirit of God nudge on your heart, do you respond? Or do you even hear the Spirit of the living God nudging your heart? Because if you don't, then that's telling you something too. This is so helpful for us because it shows us about priorities. It shows us what we're really holding on to. And I think for a lot of us, we're holding on to all this materialism. And again, I'm not saying I got this figured out. I am convicted by this passage. In fact, this week, as I was going through it, convicted by it. Oh, man. Oh, man. You know, the rich young ruler just can't step into the life that Jesus is calling him into. And it it says in that passage, and I love this, that it broke his heart. It broke his heart, and he walked away. And what Jesus wasn't calling him to is to be poor. He wasn't calling him into poverty. What Jesus was is calling out what he most prioritized, which was his money. That's what he wanted most. And he's calling that out in you and I. And I I think you should sit with it. I think we should feel the weight of it. Because if we have something, we have a responsibility to do something with it for the glory of God. This is what he's inviting us into. Because our generosity reveals what we believe about God. Our generosity reveals what we believe about God. And if we believe that God is in control, and if we believe that he has given us all that we have to steward for his glory and to care for other people and to love them the way that he has loved us, then that makes a dramatic impact on what we do and how we live. And it's a great way to evaluate where you really are. So the, the question is, is pretty simple. Are you holding on to your stuff or to God? Are you holding on to your stuff? Is your stuff your priority is, or is God? Because God is going to reveal to you the needs all around you and call you to respond. Father God, continue to reveal to us the needs around us. Spirit of the living God, convict our hearts to be generous in the way that you've been generous to us. So, take a breath, reflect, and believe that the God of the universe is near to you in your own heartbeat. Until next time, cheers.